0: Good morning. Can you all hear me? Brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So this morning I feel like God's wanting to do something in our hearts. Um, Our message today will be from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 36 to 49. And it's just a continuation of a story that we've heard in the last... Um, two weeks. Now, just think about a time when you lost someone, um, they died. Um, the impact that that moment has on you, especially if they are very dear to you. Moments of passage are often very special in different ways, aren't they? You often remember what they said, um, you remember the details of the moment because that person, you're not going to see them again. Now, the story in this passage is really important because they were the story of what Jesus said and did just before he went to glory. And I think it's really important because I think there's something Jesus was trying to bring together of everything he had done of his ministry. And I think that's why it's really important when we read this story that we listen. Because I think Jesus wants to say something to us today. Two weeks ago, Joe Birch, the teacher, excellent teacher at that, gave a very powerful and I would say intellectual account of the resurrection. And why we believe it happened. But also about its significance in our lives as Christians. You see, the resurrection is an important part of our faith. Actually, the resurrection separates the Christian faith from lots of other faiths. It is not just a cool story of an invincible actor, as most movies will portray. The resurrection symbolizes not just the sacrifice of Christ, but the completion of God's plan for salvation. It proves that Jesus is who he said he is. Amen. Amen. The son of God sent from heaven to save us from our sins. is not just a prophet or a great teacher. He was much more. Last week, Dan also shared with us about how disappointment crept in after Jesus rose again. And the disciples were in a very fragile state. Okay? These men and women had walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles that he did. They heard his sermons. And they had first hand experience and a knowledge of him. Yet their conversation was centered around disappointment and the hurt of the last few days after Jesus rose. If Jesus was to leave them in that state, it was clear that their fear, their disappointment and their doubts will make it most impossible for them to carry the mission that Jesus had given to them. So, today's message focuses on how Jesus changes that doubt and fear in that moment. Because you imagine he had done all this amazing work in his ministry and he was about to leave. And here were these disciples who were supposed to be carriers of the message very doubtful, afraid, scared. You see, doubts often start in our minds, don't they? You know, you think about something, I think, is, is it really true? You see, that is why the mind is often referred to as a battleground. Never mind the battles that are world wars and so The mind is a battleground, because often the devil plants seeds of doubt. So let's see how Jesus deals with doubt. Let's go to St. Luke chapter 24 verse 36, and I'll read. While they were still talking about this, referring to talking about Jesus, the resurrection, and, you know, what's this all about? Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be unto you. They were startled and afraid, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now, there are three core things I want to bring out in this scripture. Jesus wanted to do something, you know, in this moment, so that he can help his disciples be in a strong state as it was going. The first thing is the person of Jesus. His person. At the center of everything that is going on in this period was, who is he? Who is this Jesus? Jesus knew in this moment that he had to make a clear connection between the Jesus that lived with them and the Jesus that was standing in that moment there were already rumors that his body may have been stolen or removed. Jesus showed them his hands so they could see the scars where the nails went in through his palm and his feet. Secondly, he ate some food. Because you know, ghosts don't eat, do they? You know? Like, this is me in flesh. I'm Jesus. Now, it's easy to read the story and take a very self-righteous point of view and say, what's all of us about? Surely, they must know it's Jesus. But the reality is that don't we still have these doubts in our mind about who Jesus is? What He means to us? You see, doubt this morning, Helen painted it properly, that as long as we are alive, we will have doubts. Because doubts only go when we're dead. Okay? Okay? You see, doubts are a potent weapon with a wider intent. It stops us from acting in faith and limits the power of God in our prayers. You see, when you're doubtful, you don't pray much. When you're doubtful, I don't think you want to tell someone else about your faith. And that's the intention A clear understanding of who Jesus is makes it possible for us to accept his work in our lives and to stand on the victory he has given us. If Jesus is real, then our faith in God is established and we have a connection with God. Amen. That question, who am I, was so important to Jesus that he actually asked the question way before his death. So let's look at Matthew chapter. You see, Jesus changes those who doubt by revealing himself. By revealing himself. Now I'm praying that if you are not a Christian here today, you begin to seek God. You know, and pray about God revealing himself to you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of Mark is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail or overcome it. Amen. 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 Now, it wasn't saying build a church and call it St. Peter's Cathedral. Okay, because that's what we could do. Because it says, on you, Peter, I'll build my church. What he was saying is, upon this faith, upon this belief that Jesus is the Messiah, that's the stuff on which I'll build my church. Because if you believe that deep down in your heart, nothing will stop you. And I pray that God will make that our reality. Amen. The second thing is his purpose. Then he opened verse 45 of that scripture that I've mentioned, St. Luke chapter 24 verse 36 to 49. Verse 45 says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. It's not going to stop in Israel. It will go to how many nations? All. If you're not happy to see all nations, well, you might be missing a plot. Jesus had a mission and a purpose that through his death and resurrection, he will bring forgiveness of sins. And the message of forgiveness, not the message of condemnation, but of forgiveness, will be preached in his name to all nations. All nations. And maybe the map of the world will be up there. All nations. Because God wants everyone to be saved. The mission of Jesus is to bring repentance and that repentance was not just for Jews. Even though the fiscal ministry of Jesus was largely to the Jews, this declaration made it clear that he was interested in the salvation of all nations and every people group. This is why we must be intentional in praying for all nations, every tribe and tongue and all the people groups in the world. Second thing I want to talk about Jesus changes those who doubt by reminding them what is written. And I just want to hold my Bible a little bit because in these days we're a little bit as, um, ashamed of this this stuff, don't we? You know we don't carry it a lot anymore. Um, it's convenient that we have our Bibles in our phones, isn't it? But what is written? you see? Jesus, first of all, reminds the disciples about what was written of him. One way the enemy brings doubts in our mind is through our experience and what is going on in our lives. To remind ourselves, we must go back to the words in verse 46. I know I'm placing a bit of emphasis on that phrase. What has been written about you in the scriptures? Think about where doubt clips up in your life and the wrong seeds that the enemy sows in your heart. That doubt is not an end in itself. The purpose is to steal your joy and your position in Christ. You see, I was thinking about this myself and thanks to Adesi and Chimamanda, I will do this. See, I was thinking for myself, Sometimes I feel like I'm rejected, not wanted. Depends on what side of the bed I wake up on from in the morning sometimes. Sometimes even depends on what country I am in. Sometimes feel not wanted, not accepted. But you see, the Bible says that I am the apple of God's eye, so you better, you know, get over yourself and start to deal with me. You see. God knows I am accepted, and this morning, if that's how you feel sometimes rejected, not wanted, I want to remind you about your identity in Christ. you are accepted amen, amen. and you know sometimes i I mess up a lot you now impatient sometimes impatient with my my daughters with my family um, And all sorts happen. I don't know why they are sat in front. They're laughing now. (laughs) But I sometimes feel hopeless. I I feel I'm I'm not worthy of of God's grace and God's goodness. But He says I'm forgiven. He has cleansed my sin. It's not counting it on for me anymore. It does not matter what I did yesterday. I am forgiven. Okay, you might want to dwell on the past, but the scriptures says, I am forgiven. If you're beating up yourself today, I want you to remember this, forgiven. Amen. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus... He has forgiven you. And I don't care what the devil tries to do with my mind. I am forgiven. And I am accepted. Amen. Amen. And this last one. You see, I have a love relationship with the NHS. And every time I go, they tell me about a BMI index. I don't know what that means. (laughs) And you know... You know, it's it's troublesome. They never tell me anything good about what I'm trying to do. So, and I say that lightly. I love the NHS. You see, I sometimes, um, I'm afraid of dying. And I, as someone who has a long-term condition, that means I have to take a medication every single day. I often feel that my life is dependent on, me taking my medication. And if I did not, then I probably won't be here much longer. But you see, God has not given me a spirit of fear. But he has given me a spirit of a sound mind. You see, and in fact, Jesus conquered death by going on the cross and rising up again. So, no fear here anymore. I don't have have to be afraid. Yes, I've got to try and do something. I've got to walk a little bit more. I've got to try and get my body moving. But that should not mean that I'm afraid of death. Now, what's yours today? What's written about you? What is the scripture saying about you? Because do not let the things that the enemy puts in you to define you. The only thing that must define us, is what is? The Word. Written, the Word. Finally, his promise. So we've talked about the person of Jesus. We've talked about his purpose. The final one is his promise. Verse 49 says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from an eye. that promised gift from God is the Holy Spirit. And I know we don't hear about the Holy Spirit a lot these days. And that's, not, that's across the body of Christ. You see, Jesus knew that if he left his disciples in that state, they would no longer see him, they would not hear him speak anymore, they would not be encouraged, at least the way they were used to. He asked them to wait. On Friday we went to see a school and you know, because we live like in a microwave society, don't we? Instant. Okay, instant we have instant coffee, okay, instant everything, microwave, you know, you put it in the microwave, five minutes it's out. And sometimes our Christian work can almost be like that. We don't wait anymore for anything. We don't spend time. There used to be a time when as Christians we prayed, we waited to hear from God before we stood up. Because we sort of felt like if God can say one thing to me, I will know what to do, and I will have a direction. So on Friday, we went to a school, the whole Ulebo crew, family. And they, as they showed us around, um, it was a school that potentially we were thinking um, our first daughter could go to. As he showed us around the school, the principal said to us that um, there is, I don't know if it's the principal, I think it's one of the girls, said to us, there is a practice in the school during assembly that they have to, I think once every week she said, they have to be in silence in the assembly for 30 minutes. So just picture that now, starting now. So, they had to be silent, 30, I'm thinking, wow, like, what do they do? Nothing. Just reflection. And I said to one of my girls, I said, this is the school you should go to, honestly. (laughs) Like, you know, just shut up for 30 (laughs) minutes. No, did I use the word, I'm not sure. Just keep quiet for 30 minutes. Don't say anything. Don't prance around. Don't do anything. And you know, this morning, the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. That's you. Maybe it's time to wait a bit more. Maybe it's time to spend time waiting on me. Because you get busy all the time. Um, St. John chapter 16 verse 13 says, When the Spirit of Truth comes... It will guide you into all the truth. It will not speak on his own. It will speak only what he hears and it will tell you what is yet to come. Trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is going to be like driving a car without fuel inside. It wasn't God's intention. Sadly, we live in an instant society. Um, we get news at the speed of light. And there are multiple channels through which our minds can be filled with junk. And the things that bring doubt on a regular basis into our hearts. And so God is saying this morning, think about those three things. The doubts in our hearts stop us from fulfilling what God wants from us. Let's get A revelation of who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He has come to deliver. Let's get a revelation of his purpose. What he has come to do. To save all nations. And finally, let's remember that the promise, his promise is if we wait on him, he will fill us with his spirit. The Holy Spirit is a real person. It's not a myth. And we need to... I I, I get a sense in myself that we're going to experience first century power. We're probably going to have to do first century stuff, won't we? Wait on God's power. Wait on God. Be ready to wait and wait until he speaks to us. Um, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 Can we all read this together? Because I love this scripture. And I know this translation calls it hope. But most translations we say wait. So could you just replace the word hope with wait? Would that be helpful? Can we all go together? But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint. Amen.